Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Transit Authority, the official podcast of the American Public Transportation Association. My name is Petra Millet, AFTA's Vice President of Strategic and International Programs, and I am delighted to introduce a great program for you today in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month. I am particularly excited to introduce our two illustrious guests who are both prominent Latinx leaders in our industry, Alva Carrasco and Cindy Chavez. Alva is the president of Latinos in Transit, an organization established just five years ago to promote the advancement of Latinos and other minorities in transportation. We'll be hearing more about the work of Latinos in Transit later in this podcast. Alva is also the West Region Market Lead for Transit and Rail at WSP USA, and prior to that has worked at several transit agencies, including LA Metro, Via Metropolitan Transit in San Antonio and Sacramento Regional Transit. She is a Leadership APTA graduate and American Public Transportation Foundation scholarship recipient. Welcome, Alva. Alva will be speaking today with Cindy Chavez. Supervisor Chavez is a member of the board of the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority, BTA, representing Santa Clara County, California. She is the chair of the Bay Area Air Quality Management District and also serves on the Caltrain Board of Directors and the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. Statewide, Governor Gavin Newsom just appointed Supervisor Chavez to the California Board of State and Community Corrections. This past year, Cindy's leadership, professionalism, and integrity reverberated throughout VTA as it struggled, like transit agencies worldwide, with severe ridership and revenue losses and health threats to frontline workers. As the president of the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors, she was ever present with the duties of running the first county in the nation to order a shutdown to curb the spread of COVID-19. Cindy is being honored by APTA as the Outstanding Public Transportation Board Member of the Year this year. Cindy, so wonderful to have you on our program today. Alva and Cindy, I know you have several questions for each other, and Alva, the floor is yours to kick us off. Thank you, Petra, for having me on today's show. I'm so excited. This is the best way I can think of celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Cindy, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview with me. I'm delighted to be with you. This is so exciting. And thank you, Petra. Um, So let's get through some of the questions that we have. Cindy, these are questions that I think everyone's going to be really interested in hearing. Let's start with our first question. You've already had a very impressive political career that has led you to the leadership positions you are in now. What has been the pathway to leadership for you and what has mattered most in terms of the people you have met along the way, the organizations that you've been a part of, and the opportunities that you have received? So Alva, again, I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you and so impressed with your body of work and just delighted to be with APTA to celebrate this illustrious month. And really, you know, just to start off, I think so many of us who are involved in public service really gained some direction from our families and our parents. And my mom and dad are from New Mexico, and they moved to the bright lights of California when I was a newborn. I was really small. And one of the things that I observed about them is that they had a really broad sense of what community meant. 
And as an example, our family was our community. Our neighborhood was our community. Our church was our community. Our school was our community. My dad's work site, my dad was a carpenter, was our community. And so one of the things I learned from my parents is that we are really in service to each other and that that service gets expressed by taking care of one another. And so my dad would be at a job site and someone would come from Mexico, Nebraska, New Mexico. He would see them coming on to, you know, try to get a job, maybe hungry, maybe in need of a place to stay, had been sleeping in their truck. And then they were staying at our house. And I have to say, I, I thought everybody's families did that. I thought it was very normal. My mom was a teacher's aide and really worked in Head Start programming and graduated from college just a year before I did, um, getting her a degree in early childhood development. Now she's got multiple degrees in counseling and all of that. But we were the house that my mom learned how to make Play-Doh and she would spread out big blocks of butcher paper and give us paint. And we were that house where people could gather, feel safe, feel at home. And they always had more for our community. So, you know, service is a service to each other and service to our community was really what we were raised with. That is an awesome story to hear. We also grew up with people staying at our homes. Although I did not have games to play with them <laughs> while they stayed with us, but it's definitely a part of our culture is to bring into the fold the people that may need uh, our help. Great. That's, that's awesome to hear, Cindy. The next question I have is, I know these past 18 months have most certainly been unprecedented in the scope and scale of the challenges you've had to face in terms of leading your agency and your county. Aside from the challenges of ensuring continuity of operations and planning in a safe and viable manner and meeting the needs of your community, a tragic mass shooting occurred this past May at the VTA light rail facility in downtown San Jose. First, let me ask you, what has sustained you during this time and how has your past experience helped you? I think that for all of us that these times have been challenging. And I think one of the most powerful experiences that I've had is to see that through COVID-19, through a cyber attack, our organization sustained in the middle of all this, through a leadership change that we went through, and then to the terrible you know, mass shooting that what I watched happen over and over and over again were these incredible selfless leaders rise up and do sometimes the impossible. And I could name so many of them, but the leaders in the labor movement, you know, John Courtney, who's the head of ATU, standing up and and not only being a, a victim of this crime, but also then you know, really rallying his members to get everybody back to work and and his team, his leadership team at his union. I watched um, a woman named Evelyn Tran, who, when Nuria Fernandez left to go work for the administration, and we're so proud of her, our council took the leadership both of council 
and of running our organization through this time. And over and over again, I saw people just stand up. And when you see others just leading with their hearts and putting their their whole soul into making sure that that we were still able to conduct the business of transit and at the same time recognizing that there were all these tremendous changes that needed to happen within our organization it was just so empowering and you know much of my my energy and strength comes from really the inspiration of the leaders around me that is so inspiring just one of those events can derail an organization without the proper leadership. And I mean, VTA went through three major events. Well, at least I lost count at three. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. What has this past year underscored for you? How, how has it reshaped your thinking in terms of the mission critical role your agency plays? You know, Alva, that is an excellent, excellent question. And what I would say is that, you know, one thing that I think that you know, because you love transit and you believe in in the mission of what we do, mm-hmm. that you know that like education, transportation is is an equalizer, right? Like we are all about access, access to jobs, access to counseling, access to medical services, access to the grocery store access. We are all about access. And what it has reminded me and really what COVID reminded me of is that our operators, our mechanics, our overline men, all of those folks, they they were heroic in their willingness to stay the course, to make sure that people specifically who were transit dependent could get their needs met. I mean, that is so powerful. I mean, that is that, that is something that that should be honored. And and what I would also say is, after out of all of that, that we as institutions have to recognize that growth and development are are so essential to our future success. That how we come out of these tragedies will say ever more for us than how we got into them in the first place. And so, you know, what my eye on the prize really is, is what are we doing to, to, to do better, to course correct? And in our community, working with uh, State Senator Dave Cortese, who was formerly on the board of VTA, he went out to the state legislature and got $20 million for our, our agency to be able to help people who can't come back to the workplace help people retrain into other positions. And then a a huge chunk of this resource is going to ongoing long-term mental health and supportive services. The county in partnership with VTA is building out a recovery center so that we are able to support people when they're in these kinds of tragedies in the future. And then lastly, and most importantly, taking a deep dive into the culture of our organization and using those resources to do the work we know it's going to take to help people feel safe at work and to make sure that Valley Transportation Authority is the premier place in the nation to work in transit. That's what we're doing now. So how we come out of this, much more critical than what we went in, than how we got into it. It's amazing everything that's come out of it. It's definitely a silver lining. I've worked in operations for about 15 years of my career. And there have been some situations where staff didn't feel safe 
you know, especially with our operators who face the public every day, we have to help them feel safe on a day-to-day basis. They come back to work, they take for granted that they are safe at their workplace. So I, I really hope that this incident really brings up about a lot of lesson learned for the entire industry. And hopefully we can avoid a tragedy like this from ever happening again. And Alva, what you just said is so important about your experience on the ground. And I just want to lift up the point you raise that as employers, as board members, our highest obligation is ensuring the safety of our employees and the reliability and safety of our transit systems. So I I think what you're saying is so, so important that I just want to make sure we put a pin in it because when we think about our highest obligations that way, it makes it much easier for us to focus. Absolutely. Thank you, Cindy. A lot of food for thought. One issue that has been brought starkly into focus this past year is the systemic inequities that persist in our society. How are you addressing fostering inclusion and equity in your community? And as a community leader, how are you ensuring all voices are heard? What a tough question, Alva. <laughs> you know, one know. thing about <laughs> one thing about the county of Santa Clara, so we're in Northern California. We're a community of about 2 million people. And 40% of all of the people who live in our communities are foreign born. And over 60% of all of our households have a language other than English being spoken at home. So what we've done locally is we've created offices like the Office of Immigrant Relations, the Office of LGBTQ Affairs, the Office of the Commission on the Status of Women, but the Office of Women's Policy. We're in the process of creating an office that is focused on the disabled community. These are umbrellas for our community because it's forcing us to think about how we develop public policy in a way that really does push through a new way of thinking. And the opportunity we have to come out of COVID really addressing these issues and not going back, but really going forward is the eye on the prize now. But one of the things that we did during COVID is that we created a door-to-door campaign in partnership with our most trusted nonprofits to do two things. One, to tell people that they had an opportunity to get tested, to help people sign up for vaccinations, and to help people sign up for food stamps or or any other needs. So if they were out of work and they needed support and food or anything like that, we got it to them. And because of that, even though we're a relatively large county, we right now, we have 84% of everybody who lives in our community over the age of 12 has received both vaccines. And we're at 89% of people in our community who've received at least one. And what's significant about that is that includes the Latino, African-American, and white community. Interestingly, the Asian American community is a little higher rate of vaccination than everybody else. But because of this door-to-door campaign and because of this collaboration with our nonprofit partners, Our goal is to leave nobody behind. And I think we're the most vaccinated large county in the country right now. What's important to me about that, and and I would say impressive, is the way the community has worked together to make sure that we're vaccinating, you know, that we're protecting each other through vaccinations. Well, Steve, the question wasn't that hard. You had a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Leading a public transit organization is a difficult job, but reporting directly to a transit board is even tougher. <laughs> Basically, a CEO GM has multiple bosses, right? Um, what advice would you give anyone who is considering becoming a CEO or general manager of a public transit agency? Yes, Alva, I'd love to hear the answer to your answer to this question as well. I think that most important is to over communicate, right? That we make sure that as a CEO, you want to make sure that every single member of your board has all the information they need to make good decisions. And I think making sure that CEOs do the work of orienting board members so board members deeply understand the budget and the significant policies of the organization. Because I think the more board members understand, the the structure of the organization, the much better guidance that they will give as board members. That's awesome advice. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the more board members are informed about the background and policy decisions that they make on any capital project or policy is very, very important. Now, my last question is probably the easiest one. As a recipient of the APTA Outstanding Public Transportation Board Member of the Year Award this year, yay, what do you consider the most important role of a transit board member to be? And what would be your advice to new transit board members? Learn from everybody, the operators, the CEO, the people who do communications and marketing, the ticket, you know, um, folks who take tickets, if they still do that um, at your transit agency, the security, the janitors, and the writers. Because, you know, one of the things that I know as a leader, and Alva, I, you know, again, I'd love your reflections on this, is that we have a an obligation to excel at what we do because people depend on us. And the only way to excel that I know of is to get better and better at what you do. And I think the only way to get better at what you do is really listening to others. And, you know, being a lifelong learner and recognizing that when you think you have all the answers, you've, you've been in your job too long. That's excellent. That is advice that I would give to anyone that is thinking about moving up in their career or changing careers, but definitely civic duty. Again, the more informed you are, the better decisions you make. Thank you, Cindy. Let's take a moment for a short break and then continue our conversation with our guests. At this Transform Conference and Expo in Orlando, Florida, is right around the corner. Register today for Public Transit's premier conference and showcase of technology, products, and services. Get ready to reconnect and re-engage in person with your public transit industry peers. Join us November 7th to the 10th and come discover what's new and what's next for public transportation. Learn more and register today at aptaexpo.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Transit Authority. I am joined today by Alva Carrasco, 
the president of Latinos in Transit, and by Cindy Chavez, member of the board of the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority. Well, I'm excited to get to ask you a few questions. Um, and I'm just really impressed with this organization. And Latinos in Transit just celebrated its fifth anniversary. And I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. Thank and I was you. hoping you could talk a little bit about its genesis and what you've seen change over the last five years from when it began to where you are now. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to start. So yes, five years, we formally became a nonprofit. And I mean, five years ago, we were sitting around a, just a handful of us colleagues. We'd meet at APTA and talk about how great it would be to have a support system where we can network with other Latinos in similar positions. And over the years, it just grew this informal group, it was, it just grew organically. And what really helped us launch the organization was with the help of president of the board, Flora Castillo, of the APTA executive committee, and Terry Solis, who is also a very active member in APTA, they helped us with seed money to get this organization formed and filed. And so our first meeting was held at Jack's Urban Eats in Los Angeles during the APTA conference in Los Angeles 2016. And there was a call for volunteers to be on the board and I raised my hand. I wanted to be involved. I felt that I could bring a lot of of my experiences and my skills to the board. I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just raised my hand for vice president. I was voted in. (laughs) (laughs) So the inaugural board, basically, it was our job to launch this organization. And we started with 11 members, essentially the board members that we started off with. And I've been looking at our LinkedIn page every day for the last few weeks because we're almost to a thousand followers. And I'm so proud of that because I remember the day I I created a LinkedIn account for Latinos in transit and I was so upset I could only get like 12 people to join. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so in the last five years with the assistance of wonderful board members that have helped us in the last five years, we've been able to build the foundation for this organization. And we feel it's just going to grow more and more uh, in the coming decades. We are an 11 member board. The board members are made of public and private transportation professionals And we are reaching out to everybody from coast to coast to join this organization that is there to advocate for Latinos and other minorities to make a career of transit and to be a innovator and a leader in our industry. 
That's wonderful. Alva, Madam President, if I may call you that. So I love saying that. Madam President, talk to us about your vision. Like, what do you see in your presidency that you would really like to accomplish? There's so many things that we want to accomplish, but I think at the end of my career, I would like to see this organization become more global, incorporate other countries. And also, I want to be able to say, you know, I knew this person when they were, you know, 20 years ago, just starting out, and now they're a CEO. I want to see Latinos, especially Latinas, grow in this industry and become leaders and decision makers for our transportation systems. I think that we need a better lens on equity. And I think that Latinas are more, they're more resilient than most people think. And we're up for the challenge. So I just, that's what I want to see. I want to see a lot of people come after me and, you know, have many successes and accomplishments in their careers. I love it. And I like that vision a lot. You know, I often hear people, and I know you hear it too, where people say, I'd love to hire Latino leaders. I just can't find them or, right. you know, and Latinas and Latinx, you know, whatever, whatever term they use, they can't find our people. Like, so let's just, <laughs> let's just, uh, so let's just be clear about that. And so g- give advice to the private and public sector and say, Hey, if you want to attract, if you want to develop, if you, if you want our communities to come and be a part of your institution, here are some tips. Help them understand, you know, what can be done to engage our community. And frankly, how would you advise people to think not just about the, the attraction, but I think the point you raised about the elevation and the promotion of is equally as critical. Yes, yes. And so, you know, the, the reason I got involved with Latinos in Transit you know, even before it became a nonprofit, was that there wasn't any Latinos in the industry, very little, at least about 20 years ago. And if it not had been for help from my mentors and my support system, which I consider in the transportation industry, I don't think I would have gone through some of the doors that opened up to me. It was really because I had people that helped me navigate through the through the system. And they were not Latinos. They were one of my bosses, a white female and a African-American male boss. They really mentored me. And if it wouldn't have been for them, I wouldn't have considered other positions in the transit agency I, I happened to be at at the time. I started my career in customer service. I provided bus information. I I'd lo- I'd lost and found. Like, who would have thought? Never in my wildest <laughs> dreams did I imagine I would be responsible one day for multi-million dollar, you know, capital and operating budgets, or even the safety and security of millions of passengers. So I feel that I'm living proof that if we're given the opportunity and we have the right support system, whether I have to go back to school, flexible hours. I was a single mom. I Luckily, I had very good childcare. It was my family support system, but I also had 
bosses that were very flexible. And if I needed to leave work to pick up a sick child, it was okay. I think that's one area that we have to work on. But I also think that we're not doing a good job building a pipeline for Latinos to enter this industry. And and I can speak from experience, too. I went to high school and never saw a counselor. No one counseled me or provided guidance about what classes to take, whether I was going to community college or any of that. So, Mm. you know, and I think it really depends on where you go to school and where you grew up. You know, we can talk about inequities on another podcast, but in my case, I was very fortunate that I got hired by a municipal transit agency, small agency. I started at the bottom. I excelled and I learned to do other things and I quickly promoted. And that motivated me to go to school, get a degree and continue my career. I also think I attribute a lot of my success to APTA. My bosses saw something in me and recommended me for APTA leadership. In 2002, I I was one of the youngest people in that class and certainly the only Latina. And I also was a recipient of an APTF scholarship two years in a row. All of those things kept pushing and motivating me to continue this path that I had started, not really knowing where I was going to end up. And here I am 30 years later, after starting a career in transit, loving everything about it. I love that we have a chance to remedy the environment or social and environmental justice. I don't know if I answered your question, but I think that leaders really can do a lot more by motivating their staff to take on other positions, letting people participate in committees or task forces within their agency. They can learn other things about the other departments. There's so many things. Mentorship. I mean, that is, we can't, you know, I'd be remiss if I don't mention the need for mentors, really good mentors. You know, I know people are very busy in their careers, but trust me, both the mentee and the mentor will get so much out of it if it's, you know, some time and effort is put in earnest into it. I think you said some very powerful things, Alba, that I just want to lift up, that the pipeline matters, having opportunities for us to help younger people because their schools aren't always going to do it. I think the mentorship that you had these two mentors who were your support system. I think the way I would describe one of the points you raised is that we're really looking for champions. I think making sure, for example, that you got on those committees, that you had an opportunity to move up in your job. That's not just being a mentor. That is people in the institution championing others and really helping you succeed. And then I think the point you raised about having a supportive work environment, a work environment that recognizes you could be a single head of household or you have other needs and that you can be an extreme productive leader and um, and need some flexibility and not making workplaces making you choose between being an excelling as an employee or excelling as a parent and I, I think you demonstrate that you can do both so well done 
Absolutely. All right. Now here's the opportunity. Let's pitch people. How do we get involved? So first of all, you want everybody to get on that LinkedIn page and we got to blow way past a thousand. Um, but what else that you like people to know and how to, how do we get involved? Okay. Okay. Love this question. It's by far the easiest question we have today for me. So Latinos in Transit, we, as, as you know, we're a fledgling organization. I have been stunned by how many people volunteer to assist us. And needless to say, we have a membership program. Organizations can sign up for several, we have several levels and we also have individual membership as low as $50 for students. But what I really want to stress is that we have partnerships with organizations like APTA and COMPTO. We recently signed an MOU with the TRB. What we're doing is we're working in collaboration to make sure that we help each other in in achieving each other's missions and goals. For example, the TRB, as you may know, the Transit Research Board does a lot of work in the industry and they rely heavily on panel members and white paper submissions. And so what they're really asking us to help them with is to get a diverse pool of white papers and panelist candidates to be considered for these uh, research projects, which is great because we want diversity, obviously, in any research. And we want that everybody gets a chance to, to participate and be part of the solution. We also have a partnership with MV Transportation, where we have a understanding, a, a MOU also, and the best thing that comes out of that partnership is because of them, we have a scholarship benefit that is tagged along with that understanding. So every year we provide a contribution to the APTF for a Latinos in Transit MV Transportation Scholarship that goes specifically to a Latino or Latina that is studying in, you know, is in school to come back and or already be working in transportation, in public transit. So those are just some examples. We also, my last example will be, we had a virtual event for Hispanic Heritage Month where we had a couple of some of our suppliers, industry suppliers, who sponsored for us to have two transit board members, Angie Mal Rivera Malpieda from RTD, and oh my God, she's going to kill me. I, I butchered her last name. And, and Esteban Vera from, from SEPTA, he's a board member there. And Flora Castillo, who was a former New Jersey Transit Board member, moderated that virtual event, and it was about equity. And so we had Clean Energy, the Solis Group, and yes, these are shameful plugs for <laughs> New Flyer for their generous sponsorship of that event. And so we we work with anyone that reaches out. We have agencies that have reached out. They want us to help them with improving the recruitment of Latinos 
or their outreach to DBEs, minority-owned businesses. So we have a, a very large board with a large heart, I should say. We have a board with a large heart uh, because we're all working board members. And so we personally will reach out to anyone that reaches out to us on how they can get involved. And I will also mention we have committees we and they're all volunteer they're all made up of volunteers. And so we're very um, proud of what we have accomplished in the last five years and we can see that the next five years we will grow even more than we did in the past five. That's amazing. Okay, so I just want everybody to know you can go on LinkedIn and get into Latinos in Transit. And uh, I'm um, following you now. And also I'm following Alva because she's amazing. And see this um, young leader that's really pushing forward the interests and the advocacy for Latinos in Transit is just incredibly exciting. And happy fifth year uh, birthday. We're going to turn it back over to Petra. Thank you, Cindy. And congratulations again for your award. So excited. Thank you. I know. I can't <laughs> wait to see you on stage in Orlando. Hi, Petra. Hello, and thank you both for this fantastic conversation. I was completely mesmerized the whole time. It was it was a very inspiring <laughs> conversation and uh, a lot of food for thought as well. And just uh, really appreciated some of the very profound things that both of you have said about what it means to be a leader and uh, and a compassionate leader <laughs> that really cares about communities. We are just about out of time. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Transit Authority, APTA's official podcast. And of course, I want to say a special thank you to our guests today, Alva Carrasco and Cindy Chavez, for taking the time to join us. 